Attention, listener, I have an assignment for you. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to engage with the real nerds, a.k.a. the best podcast on the internet. You can listen to their episodes on their website, realnerdspodcast.com, and you can also listen to them on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and iTunes. Follow their social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This message will self-destruct never. is Real Nerds Podcast. And for 10 years, the Real Nerds Podcast have seen a new movie and podcast our experience to the world. This week, I decided to throw Brad a bone. Yes. And our film of the week is The French Dispatch. Stay tuned till the end of the episode where we review the film by recommending it, playing the trailer, and then spoiling it. I am joined, as always, by Brad. It's a whimsical episode. <laughs> Zach. It's a symmetrical episode. And Corinne. Hello, everybody. So uh, before we start, you know how I'm always a proponent of physical media, right? We get it. You, you beat me with too many Blu-rays like, it, like it's a sack of potatoes. It's crazy. I know. But why I love physical media is because you get things on there that you can't get by streaming. One, the picture looks better. Two, it sounds better. And that's really good for stuff like the action-packed adventure Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origin. It's out now on Blu-ray and 4K Ultra HD. Hailed as the best G.I. Joe movie yet, the iconic hero Snake Eyes rises to become the ultimate warrior in the battle against Cobra. Buy on Blu-ray and 4K Ultra HD today and get the thrilling special features, including a bonus short film, deleted scenes, and much more. Also Ooh. available on 4K Ultra HD Steelbook, available at participating, participating real t- retailers, rated PG-13. This is from Paramount Pictures, and I am so excited about this movie coming out on Blu-ray and having a short film. I'm going to do something for our listeners, Brad. What's that, Ryan? I know how you say, I hate the listeners. They can, you know, they can get uh, sliced by snake eyes. But no, no, I'm not going to allow it to happen, Brad. Put down the sword. It's not going to happen. But you told us we were going to have fun with swords tonight. What the heck is this? I don't understand. I don't get it Sorry, guys. The swords need to go down because I am <sighs> giving our listeners a chance to win this action-packed Blu-ray. Well, I guess we that's, have- uh, that's a good compromise. <laughs> Right? And, I mean, Corinne, you should be excited because I know how much you love Henry Golding. Mm. Man, he is really, really talented in that movie. Makes me want him to be the new James Bond. <laughs> I'd be down with him being the new James Bond. That'd be I think yeah, he'd be he's great. got a British accent. He could do it. That, and he proved in uh, Snake Eyes that he can, you know, hold his own in action scenes. Mm-hmm, the scene exactly. where they're in the, the warehouse and then they're running across the truck and shit is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and what better so way anyways, to watch him than a Blu-ray, which will never buffer or drop a stream. 
exactly and it'll look great and you get a bonus short film mm-hmm. something you can't get by streaming it maybe, maybe it connects <laughs> some dots to the next gi joe installment you never know exactly. and the studio can never take it away from you because it'll always be in your home That's exactly true. and the, you say that zach but i also tease our listeners if they haven't seen it there is an end credit scene um that you should see but Ooh. but what i'm gonna do is i have five copies of G.I. Joe Origin Snake Eyes to give away. Not to you assholes. Aww. But to our but, but to our listeners. Okay, that's fair. I but listen I always, to the podcast. I, to the show. <laughs> I know, but I don't like you guys. I like our I listeners. stopped listening years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, we really haven't done enough for our listeners, so yeah. it's yes. finally time to give back. Mm-hmm. So all you have to do is be on the lookout on our social social media platforms. When you see the tweet, just retweet the tweet. If you see the Facebook page post, like it, share it. If you're hearing this and you don't have any of those, email us realnerds at gmail.com. Go Joe. And then Hmm. I will pick five people at random to win these awesome Blu-rays to give away that the studio is actually giving us to give away. So how lucky is that? You're going to save like $24. That's a that's a steal, guys. So it, you don't want to miss that opportunity. And if you liked the GI Joe films up to this point, you enjoyed Snake Eyes. What better way to celebrate that love than to get a free copy of Snake Eyes? Oh, and Snake Eyes is hands down the best GI Joe movie. <laughs> oh, I don't even not, think it's just yeah, because Henry Golding in it. And, and totally. Just to, just to clarify, uh, if we get more than five of these, we are going to throw them into a a uh, a hat and then draw. It's not you're not just going to get it for automatically doing all that you're being entered into a uh like you know, a, a yeah, name it's not an essay contest <laughs> um it's funny it's like you guys don't listen to me i did mention that when i was talking um mm-hmm. should pay attention to what i'm saying i said if you like it i will pick five people at random to win it sorry i was just oh, thinking man. about how great the movie snake eyes was and it's the best of the gi joe movies and i i just, I just tuned out a bit i'm sorry yeah I, you know this is this, this is my life no one listens to me even when i have free shit to give away but I don't care if you don't listen to me. It's for our listeners, for the people that follow us on social media. Make sure you like it. Um, you know, we'll also be at Denver Fan Expo. We will. So if you come to our booth and mention it, I will put your name in the hat to win um, the G.I. Joe Origins Snake Eyes um, Blu-ray. What so, if Samara Weaving comes up? And tells you that, hey, um, um, I want a copy of Snake Eyes. Um, <laughs> and I'll tell my wife I'm not going to be home. And <laughs> I mean, I do it if Henry Golding did it. I'm just saying. Oh, there um, you go. But yeah, no, it's really cool. I, I, it's one of those things where I, I didn't think that, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you put it out there because, I mean, they reached out to us because we're so amazing. And we have huge but, metrics. Yeah. Um, so, Brian, you think we could leverage this uh, budding relationship with Paramount to get Henry Golding to come on the show? Yes. And it turns out he's a secret I'll, Jack Benny fan. Oh I'll god, the world there. sounds great. If a hundred thousand um, people retweet and message us, then I think we can make that happen. Yeah. Um, no, I think it's really awesome. Uh, I'm not going to drop names, but the person that helped us out through this is really friendly. And it's one of those things where you get sent something and you go, oh, that sounds cool. And then they, uh, yeah, they send us the Blu-rays and stuff. So 
um yeah it's cool we'll be like that town in australia that really wants chris hemsworth to come and visit them is it called yes. Chrisland? Now, I forget the name of it, but they had like a whole marketing campaign where they basically said, Chris Hemsworth, please come and visit us. We're so awesome. I mean, he grew up there, didn't he? So he was there. So oh, we no, have to. In so the country, means... I don't know if he's ever been to that specific town, though. Hmm. So we have to get Henry Golding to Golden, Colorado. Golden, Golding. Yes. You know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's an alliteration going busy. on here. I'm pretty sure he's like in eight upcoming things, but. He's not he'll, he'll, he'll make, make time. time. He'll make time. I know. I know he wants to talk some Humphrey Bogart with. He me, can so come on perfect. the show. Yeah, he can come on the show and talk about the new Emma movie. <laughs> yes. Or no, sorry, Persuasion, different thing. Sure. I'm getting yeah. my Jane Austen works mixed up. Hey, it's pretty easy to do that when you're a Jane Austen fan. Hmm. Cool, but even if you don't win, this you should see the the Steel Book is really awesome. It's at Best Buy. Um, check it out. Anywho, we also talk about movies that are coming out on Blu-ray. Movies we've been watching. Movie news. And the bright ride to Hollywood is what we talk about on this podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. Let's start the podcast. Now. By telling our listeners that what's happening around town. I'm going to skip Brad this time. I don't even care. Uh Um, but you can see Brad around town at Denver Fan Expo, the 29th, 30th, and 31st at the Denver Convention Center, um, which is really cool, too, because I didn't <laughs> um, when they moved from Denver Pop Culture Con, we didn't get any. But no one reached out to us until about two weeks ago. Yeah. It almost seems like in a panic. Right, Brad? <laughs> Uh, you know, they're, they're trying to make this, uh, event still go on. So yeah, Bruce reached out to us and, uh, you know, they need some moderators to with their panels and they, uh, hooked us up with a booth and we're happy to be back. Yeah, no, it's cool. Um, I unfortunately have to work so much that I will only be there Saturday. I know fans calm down, calm down. I'll be there Saturday. Um, Zach, you're doing the moderation duties on friday and sunday that is correct i'll be doing some disney panels and a brian cummings panel on sunday so yeah we got some cool stuff we're uh doing some voice actors and i'm doing a halo one i think which should work out really well since i haven't played it since the first game so just watch some red versus blue you'll be fine <laughs> uh nope oh <laughs> uh, red versus blue was fun <laughs> um I'll be sure to bring a velvet rope for Saturday so that uh you know we can uh, thank you direct the line of people who want to see you. I know it's going to be insane. <laughs> Ryan, can you say something about Cary Grant for my podcast? <laughs> Cary Grant was born in England. All he wanted in life was to be a star, um, and he did it. The end. <laughs> yes. Uh, so yeah, you'll see us this weekend at Fan Expo. Uh, yeah, Lovely. we'll be in the uh, the community um, area. I forget the booth number. I should have brought that up. But yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's like right next to uh, where all the um, the celebrities are positioned, where their tables, the signings will be. So we're just so just... we're actually on the um, like on the floor. We're not in the basement. No, yeah, we're up. Uh, we're not in the uh, exhibition part like we usually are. We're we're past the artists, and then 
before the celebrities. So. Oh yeah. I mean, well, I am the celebrity. That's probably what they thought of. <laughs> well, yeah, they go, Oh, we got to put them there. I mean, we just got it. We we have to clarify. They put you guys there. They put me in the basement. That was the that was the deal <laughs> they made. Yeah. The, the, what the, I really the, like is I was looking at our schedule, and all my um, panels are in the same room. So, uh, you know, mine. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome because there's some uh, years where I'm running all across the con trying to make it. I make it every time, but. A couple times, eh, little little close. <laughs> After ten years, they were finally just like stick them in one room. <laughs> yeah, our booth number is Z zero eight six. So, ooh, you... it's got a Z in it. So that's got to mean something for me, right? Uh, so... End of the alphabet, loser, probably. Yeah. Wow! Wow! <laughs> wow! You know what? You know what hurts is that it's Brad's voice saying it, but it's James's picture telling me it. <laughs> <laughs> so come see us. Hey, this is movie news. It's real news. All right, guys, I'm going to leave it up to you. Do I talk about the very sad thing first or do I start with happy things? Sad thing first. End with happy. Okay, wonderful. I will do that. I do not need to. um, I don't think we anybody needs reminding of what happened um, uh, on the 21st. Um, on the set of the film uh, Rust, uh, Alec Baldwin discharged a gun that killed cinematographer Hel- Helena Hutchins, Hutchins, sorry, and injured director Joel Souza. Um, uh, the gun was uh, claimed to be a cold gun when being handed from the armorer by the assistant director. Uh, Hutchins and Souza were rushed to the hospital. Hutchins died of her injuries, um, and Joel Souza has recovered at this point. Um, according to an LA times report, um, issued, um, within the last day, um, it interviewed three people who were not authorized to publicly comment on the situation. Six camera crew workers showed up at six 30 in the morning on Thursday and spent about an hour gathering their equipment to leave the set due to unsafe conditions and prolonged working hours only to have to only to encounter non-union crew members who had shown up to replace them. A member of the producer staff then ordered the union members to leave the set. The report says she said if they didn't leave, the producers would call security to remove them. Um, And the uh, so basically amidst a lot of chaos going on within this particular production where gun misfires had happened more than once before um, an accidental discharge um, took the life of cinematographer Helena Hutchins injured Joel Souza and has put everybody in a very, very sad state of mind right now. Um, um, set safety is very important, guys. And live rounds in a gun on any set should not be anywhere near a prop gun whatsoever. Um, I, I would like to know what everybody's thinking about this and uh, gather their thoughts within comfort and reason, because I know this isn't an easy thing to talk about. What else is there to think about it? That's great. <laughs> no, no, I know, but like the, how everything went down. Like I'm not. I'm obviously I'm not saying this is a great situation, Brad. Well, it's irresponsible to speculate on what happened either. Mm-hmm. No, I understand, but it is news. That's why I'm bringing it up. Um, I mean, the only thing I would say is I don't know how someone would actually put a loaded gun in a, on a set. I mean, what's the point of having actual live ammunition? Um. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, that's the only piece I will say. I think it's sad. 
Um, obviously, no one intends to do that. No, absolutely and, not. Um, but, uh, you know, I will say, too, that you should probably take a gun safety course because no matter what, um, if you're just practicing um, shooting a gun, which is what I've read, is, I mean, why is your hand on the trigger and stuff like that? Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, I mean, it just seems unnecessary. I understand Mm -hmm. that during maybe the movie, you know, you're going to obviously use it. Uh, And the sad thing is, is if they gave that weapon to him and he was going to use it during the movie, that this is almost like an accident waiting to happen. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how... I don't know what they're doing loading it with live ammo. I would go to the prop master. What are they shooting it between takes? Are they shooting it after everybody goes home and who's in charge of making sure that everything is fine? You, you know, got armor, you got the armor on set. Who's exactly. Supposed to be in but charge. Yeah. Someone dropped the ball. Mm-hmm. And um, now uh, uh, there's a husband who doesn't have a wife and a child who doesn't have a mother. So yeah. that's all I'll say about it. So um yeah, just don't. I mean, go ahead. Sorry. No, that, I mean that's all I'm gonna say about it. Yeah, I don't have much to say on my end either, apart from set safety is an important thing and needs to be treated seriously of the utmost absolute value. Um, and live rounds and guns is not a fucking joke. And um, Brad's right; it's not right to speculate on it, but I don't think it's wise to ignore that this happened either. Um, so. I'm bringing it up now. Obviously more things are going to develop with this story as time goes on for right now. The important thing is, is remembering Helena Hutchins, who was a rising cinematographer. She was, she was on the, she was on the rise and she's gone from us. And it's a very, very sad thing to contemplate. Um, And nobody wins in this scenario. Everybody has to live with this um, going forward. Um, Everybody involved from Baldwin to the producers, to the director, um, it's a very sad thing that's happened, and um, I'm sure we'll we'll all learn more as time goes on. Um, needless to say, the film community is in 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 sad in a sad state, and hopefully, it doesn't take away from the fact that there are a lot of productions that do that are being responsible. But nevertheless, it's it's of vital importance to make sure that set safety is taken uber seriously to the point of if we need a reminder course, we need a reminder course. Um, to say that that's the absolute least that I'll point out there. Um, uh, I do have two more pieces of sad news, so then I'll end on some high notes. Um, we lost two other actors this week. James Michael Tyler, uh, who was Gunther on Friends, has passed away uh, at the age of 59. Um, oh, I love Friends. And yeah. uh, he was always, it's really funny. He, I think he's, obviously he's appeared in almost every episode. And he's one of those... Uh, actors who was hired as an extra and he started, you know, he was always in the background at central perk and then they started giving him some lines and then they gave him this, uh, he was in love with Rachel um, bit throughout the, the arc of the show. And he'd always come in at really funny parts. And, Mm -hmm. you know, even though he had a small part in the show, his impact was felt throughout the show because he was always there. You know, does that make any sense? Like every week he didn't even have, he might not have lines every week, but he was always in the background and it was just fun. And it's, um, 
it's really sad. And he didn't even reveal it till uh, the friends reunion earlier in the year. And that's why he wasn't there mm-hmm. because he had, he was fighting cancer. And I mean, obviously if you get COVID and you have cancer, your immune system's already weakened. So yeah, um, it's, it, it's sad. Um, yeah. He was but, an actor on other shows such as Sabrina, the teenage witch scrubs and modern music. Um, so he was a working actor um, and he left behind a legacy that obviously Ryan adores from, from, from watching friends. Like he's an important part of that group. Like he, he's, yeah. a, he's a part of that show that if you take him out, it, it, it something's missing, <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, I agree. A hundred percent. Yeah. So uh, James Michael Tyler will be missed. Um and we lost Peter Scolari at the age of 66. Um, uh, the vener- venerated actor's death was announced by his manager, Ellen Lubin uh, Santisky, who told CNN that Scolari had been previously diagnosed with cancer and been ill for the last two years. Um, that he was still appearing in things like Evil on CBS. Um, Scolari's big break was um, opposite Tom Hanks on the sitcom Bosom Buddies. Um, and he was also on New Heart, um, uh, the uh, the uh, sitcom with Bob Newhart on it. He was also on Off Broadway, where he appeared in Hairspray, Sly Fox, Magic Bird, Bronx Bombers, and Wicked. So he's a guy that uh, he he lived a very full life. He worked he worked his ass off both on stage and on screen. Um, I, I've never watched Bosom Buddies before. Um, it's silly, but I you know I, I just say um, you know someone who's also lost several family members to cancer, fuck cancer. Mm-hmm. And, I agree. Um, fuck it. Those guys were too young. So I have a, I have a, uh, an idea for cancer going forward, Ryan, you know, that, uh, uh, that voice box that Bart Simpson gets where it says a bunch of curse words, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. shove it, shove it, shove it, go to hell, go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I just want to do to cancer is just press those buttons. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but he did. He did. Uh, uh, he was. He was on the episode. Uh, Twenty episodes of the HBO show, show Girls, and one of them uh, netted him an Emmy Award for Outstanding Guest Actor in 2016. So nice. he made an, an impression with that. He was also on Fosse Verdon, Madoff, The Good Fight, Murphy Brown, The West Wing, uh, Twilight Zone, From Earth to the Moon. Uh, shout out to James there, uh, and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the TV series. So. Um, he he loved quite a wife and he was the voice of john hammer in one episode of the batman animated series and he played the shark gunther hardwick in and another as well as batman the brave and the bold as ray palmer the atom and commissioner Loeb in gotham so he he ran around in the batman crew for a little bit so hell of a life we'll, we'll hell be yeah missed. yeah um, and then I'll end on some fun news. So, um, first of all, our film of the week last week, Brian, we were talking about the box office stats of the Halloween franchise versus the Friday the 13th franchise. Halloween franchise has now surpassed into the 700 million mark as a whole franchise. It's a huge, huge netted number. So um, that makes me happy. I, I, just, I like when slasher movies make a lot of money because that means I'll get more, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I only have to wait two months for Scream, So I'm down. Yep, exactly. And the more I think about Halloween Kills, the more I'm, uh, the more more than likely I'm going to be upping that star rating because it's just so it just I can't stop thinking about it. And the last thing is we got two trailers. First, we'll talk about the one that's obsessing me, and then we'll talk about the one that has been haunting the real nerds for years. Uh, first off, we got a trailer for Being the Ricardos with uh, Nicole Kidman as Lucio Ball and Javier Bardem as Desi Arnaz, uh, written and directed by Aaron Sorkin. Uh, 
this movie looks fun. Uh, it also looks, I, I just never thought we'd get a sincere Lucille Ball biopic of any kind. Um, it just seemed like the time had passed for that. Um, so uh, knowing that it's Aaron Sorkin, uh, I'm curious to see how he handles the ultimate dissolution of that, of Ball and Arnez's relationship. Um, but the trailer looks a lot of fun. Um, and I, I'm super excited. Ryan, did you catch the trailer for it? Yeah, it looks fun. And I mean, I'll, I'll watch anything Sorkin makes. Yeah, absolutely. And then the last uh, piece of news uh, is the high note here. So for years, even before I knew you guys, I knew about this movie happening. It's a simple story of Nathan Drake on adventures. It's called Uncharted. And it's now finally a movie, guys. It's now finally a movie because we now have a trailer. We now have I can't believe I've seen footage for this movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's now, literally been a running joke on the podcast for 10 years. It, am I crazy? Because I remember the earlier pitches for this movie having Mark Wahlberg as Nathan Drake. And now Mark yep. Wahlberg is in the movie as Sully. Yeah, so, no, I think the one with David O. Russell cast him as Nathan Drake. Yeah, and wasn't Joe Pesci supposed to play Sully or something? Like, yeah, yeah, I don't know why they never cast Bruce Campbell as Sully, but you know, what do I know? Yeah, you don't know, but yeah, the trailer looks fun. Um, no, it's really fun. I played an Uncharted game, so I don't. I'm not like extremely buffed up on it, but like there were things about it I enjoyed. So. I mean, the part where he's uh, hanging off of out of the airplane is taken directly from the game. So, yeah, and also anything with Tom Holland. I don't know if you guys know this, but he is Spider Man. But is he, um, is, is he avenge me? Uh, I, but I mean, I, I'm not going out on a limb here and I am the authority on Spider-Man. I think he's the best Spider-Man. So, I mean, hmm. what about Chris Pine? Uh, he's a voice of Spider-Man. So no, it's Tom Holland. <laughs> what if I became Spider-Man? Uh, nope. No, really. You're more likely to become Doc Ock, Zach. That'd be cool. Are you kidding? <laughs> or the Green Goblin. Take your pick. Oh, 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 Ryan. Do you think I could pull off Green Goblin? Um, I don't think you're uh, psychotic enough. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Ryan Frost is saying that I'm not psychotic enough. <laughs> this is a shock. You know, Doc um, Ock's a little more calculated. No, but but if I were to be the Green Goblin, I could think I could pull off Green Goblin. No, I'm I'm too I'm too um, chaotic to be Doc Ock. Um, who's a who's a CZD-less Spider-Man villain that I could be? <laughs> uh, you can be Typeface, a guy who throws explosive letters. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> How come he's not in the movies? Because <laughs> he is absolutely garbage. I'm pretty sure he's in one Spider-Man comic. If they do, uh, horrible. if they do uh, another Into the Spider Verse, they should put Typeface in there as a cameo. <laughs> uh, they are. It's called. Uh, fuck, what is it called? They just put out the freaking title. Um, they're working on it right now, though. Back to the Spider Verse. No, it's like uh, Beyond uh, the Spider Verse. I'm sorry. Beyond the Spider Verse. Yeah, Beyond the Spider-Verse or Breaking the Spider-Verse. I think it's Beyond. I think you're right. Back to Formula the Spider-Verse. But no, Chris Pine is a good um, Spider-Man, but I still think Tom Holland's the best Spider-Man. 
He's certainly the one I like watching the most. That's for sure. I like Tom. I like Toby Maguire, but he's not the reason I yeah. love those Spider-Man. No, movies. I mean Toby Maguire's fun. I like Andrew Garfield too. But I think if you're talking about the embodiment of who Peter Parker is, I think it's Tom Holland. Yeah. Here's the thing. I like Maguire for for what he's worth. It's just that those movies are also bringing me like really chaotic villains that I enjoy watching more than I necessarily like watching Spider-Man. So that's just for me. It's nothing against Maguire. It's just. When you got Defoe, Molina, and even Thomas Hayden Church, I'm just like, nah, I want to watch these guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, cool. And that's news. No, it's not. All right, then, Corinne, do you want to start doing the news segment? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, just something that came out on Twitter today is that there is a set photo from Ant Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania that showed mm-hmm. like the logo and Quantum Mania is apparently spelled with these like weird hieroglyphics and so everybody's making fun of it today and then also there's speculation that warner brothers is going to be announcing the dune sequel soon Mm. that first one has to make money though right Uh, so not really news we're talking about rumors now um i think the first made 220 million dollars it made 40 million this weekend domestically no they're gonna have a sequel to dune i i I read that um, the head of Warner Brothers said it's not about money because obviously they made the mistake of putting all their movies on streaming too. So mm-hmm. yeah, um, they're really looking at the numbers of the streaming people. And I guess it broke um, Justice League's, Zack Snyder's Justice League's record. Oh, really? Shit. Yeah, yeah I just read an article about that too. That's insane. Well, right on. It's a big week for movies on Blu-ray. <laughs> if you want to find out why my wife's going to be mad, wait till you hear this next segment. DVD releases and Blu-rays. You know, Ryan, I'd be angry at you too if I were married to you and you were going to spend your hard-earned money on Fritz the Cat from 1972 from Scorpion <laughs> releasing. You knew it. <laughs> I know what you like to watch, you weirdo. Uh, <laughs> uh no uh the suicide squad is coming to 4k and steelbook um uh i like this steelbook it's really cool (laughs) it's really neat um let me ask you ryan is something else you're gonna get uh nothing but trouble from shout select you know no actually i freaking can't stand that movie (laughs) i know people some people like it i think it's horrible i think it's fine uh, Deep Red in 4K uh, coming to you from Arrow. That, it's, it's a doll uh, hanging itself, and it's Dario Argento, so you know you're going to love it, guys. Um, Steel Dawn with Patrick Swayze coming to you from Vestron from 1987. Um, this th- I've never heard of this before. Nomad, a new breed of warrior trained in the arts of swordsmanship and hand-to-hand combat, roams the vast desert wastelands in a post-nuclear age. So is it like Roadhouse, but in the apocalypse? Uh, <laughs> no, I've never heard of either, but if I read that he's ripping throats out, I might blind by it. <laughs> mm-hmm. what, if it what, uh, what if a polar bear falls on somebody? Will you definitely buy two copies? Oh, yeah, it's sold. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me ask you, Ryan, is another thing you're going to get the Incredible Hulk, the complete series, uh, the, mm. uh, the Bill Bixby, Lou Ferrigno uh, phenomena? You know, I've never was a fan of that show. Well, it's fun. It's the, it's okay. The the made direct the the made for TV movies of it where they have Thor in it are kind of weird, but I, I thought they were fine. Um, 
uh, Killer Party from 1986 coming to you from Shout Factory. <laughs> they do have that one coming. <laughs> it's April Fool's Day, and the sisters of Sigma Alpha Pi have found the perfect place to throw a party, the abandoned fraternity house where a gu- guillotine pledge lost his head in a hazing gone slightly awry. What See, happened? Stay tuned um, for Telecarty. <laughs> I'm old as fuck, so... Corinne and Zach would not know about renting video cassettes at mom and pop stores. That's horseshit. That, I know exactly what that's about. <laughs> where you, uh, the cover art for Killer Party is awesome. So mm. um, I would rent movies like that just because there is a skeleton unzipping a girl's dress. You know, my parents wouldn't allow me to do that. <laughs> See, you need parents that are divorced and they fight for your love. And when they fight mm. for your love, they like, sign over so you can rent any movie you want. I see. So what you're saying is I need to break up my parents. <laughs> you need to grow up in a broken house. Oh, Ryan, Ryan, do you need a virtual hug? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, meanwhile, vinegar syndrome is going to be uh, uh, filling your horror pleasures as well with ticks. Uh, it's from 1993. A group of troubled teenagers are led by a social workers by social workers in California wilderness retreat, not knowing that the woods they are camping in have become infested by mutated blood sucking ticks. Uh, this features Amy Dolan, Seth Green, Peter Scolari, the late Peter Scolari, Clint Howard, and Rance Howard. So, if you want a double dose of Howard and some Green, get yourself ticks. Um, children of the damned, uh, from 1964 scientists discover there are six children who each have an enormous intelligence. The children are flown to London to be studied, but they escape their embassy and gather in a church. Uh, Warner brothers putting this out through the archive. This is Anton leaders, uh, film with Ian Hendry, Alan Bedell, Barbara Ferris, Alfred Burke, and Sheila, Sheila Allen. So pick that up. If you want some creepy children, uh, Shallow Grave from 1984 from Vinegar Syndrome is coming your way as well. Uh, it looks like a uh, Texas Ranger, uh, some dead guys um, on the ground, and a woman in peril. So, uh, yeah, give that a look-see. Uh, and then Nine Lives of Fritz the Cat is also coming to you from Scorpion Releasing. So this is just a Fritz the Catathon here. Um, and uh, God, there's actually a shit ton of releases this week. Um, we have The Amazing Mr. X from 1948 with Turhan Bay, Lynn Berry, and Kathy O'Donnell coming to you from The Film Detective. Warner Archive will also have you back with Eye of the Devil from 1966 featuring Donald Pleasance. So that's another Pleasance movie I got to check out, guys. Uh, An Angel for Satan from 1966 with Barbara Steele. Um, we've also got Blades from 1989. This this is from vinegar syndrome and uh ryan this seems like another like maybe this is a blind buy or something because this cover is ridiculous it's just one woman screaming on the ground and two guys shooting at the trailer but it just like it looks like they barely tried with the poster (laughs) not to say this is vinegar syndrome but it's whoever made it Um, and then there's a 4K of I Spit on Your Grave from 1978 coming to you from Ronin Flicks. Uh, this is the very controversial Mirzarki film uh, that kicked off uh, a lot of revenge uh, themed uh, horror films um, and was also remade in the late 2000s. Um, we've also got Stillwater, they released this year with Matt Damon from 2021 coming to you on Blu ray. Uh, we've got The Pursuit of D.B. Cooper with Robert Duvall and Treat Williams. Uh, 
We have Lupin the Third Part Five, an anime coming to you. And we've got Hot Saturday with Cary Grant from 1932 coming to you through Kino Lorber. So Cary Grant is hitting your uh, is hitting your uh, tr- uh, your TVs again, my friends. You can also get from Kino Lorber to Lula Bankhead and Gary Cooper in Devil in the Deep. You can get Kay Francis and Mary Stevens, MD from Warner. Whoa, Archive. whoa, whoa. Cary Grant is in Devil in the Deep, too. Whoa. He's whoa. not. He's not highly mentioned on this post. Uh, he's on the, he's right underneath Charles Lawton's name. <laughs> on Mary Stevens MD? Uh no, Devil in the Deep. Oh, I'm sorry. I was looking at Kay Francis because she's gorgeous. Yes, Daryl in the D- Devil in the Deep also has Charles Lawton and Cary Grant. Um, but uh, let, let's let's pay attention to Kay Francis again, please. Uh, and Mary Stevens MD, featuring Lyle Talbot and the great Glenda Farrell from the uh, from the uh, <laughs> Torchy Blaine series. Um, a lot of to blue a bank had coming your way. You can also get the cheat from 1931. I love this poster. It's a picture to little bank and somebody's pointing a finger at her. Um, <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, uh, I think last but not least is you get torch singer with Claudette Colbert, Ricardo Cortez, David Manners, and Linda Ro- later Roberts. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's Blu-rays guys. Nope. You can also get the original star Trek series on Steelbook at Best Buy this week. So, this doesn't look like a steel book. Well, it is all three steel books, whole series. Oh, it's yeah, oh, the, it's it's steel books inside of a slipcase. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. The um, okay. I, I think the design is awesome. Yeah, I, I haven't. I've only got it on DVD, so um, I'm finally picking it up on Blu-ray. Oh, cool! Is it expensive? I don't even know. It's actually on sale on Best Buy right now. I mean, it's still ninety bucks, but um, it was actually but, like, eight, but even like the. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. The, even the steel books are awesome, though. They're like pop art or something. Oh, yeah, they look great. Yeah. I feel like there was supposed to be one more Cary Grant film from Lorber coming out, but it might be crazy. Oh, oh well. Nope. Nope. Just All those right. two. But, oh, All there'll right. be more coming out, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, Kino Lorber, do you guys like Jack Benny? Please. Please. <laughs> Please. <laughs> That's Blu rays. We watch movies throughout the week in a segment I call What We've Been Watching. Corinne, what'd you watch this week? So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Uh, not too much, actually. I watched the Violet Evergarden movie on Netflix. Um, so there's a series, Violet Evergarden. Then they did like a couple of specials. And so I guess this movie is supposed to wrap up um, the character in this kind of overarching storyline. So um, Violet Evergarden is a woman who fought in the war. Um, she was a child. She was an orphan. And she just gets picked up and she's basically turned into the super soldier. And her major is like the only person who really cares about her. And she gets very close to him. And then he seemingly dies. And she loses her arms. Uh, but she gets these like mechanical ones. And then uh, the main plot of Violet Evergarden picks up after the war and she's become a doll, which is a person who writes letters for other people for a living. And so the movie concludes at the very end, you know, she's gone through, she's met all these people, she's helped them with their various projects. And now she kind of gets, you know, the conclusion to her own story And she and her friends figure out that the major actually didn't die and that he's alive on this island. 
And so they go there and there's a whole bunch of drama, which really pissed me off because I'm like, this should be pretty straightforward. But because this is a movie, we have to really drag this out. And the majors are like, oh, no, I don't deserve to come back. I don't deserve to be with you. I'm a terrible person, which just seems super contrary to everything we saw about his character in the flashbacks. So I'm like, I think you're really just dragging this out because you needed to make this movie an hour and a half, but okay. Um, But eventually, you know, everybody comes to terms with each other and Violet writes this like super moving letter to him and he chases after her. She jumps off the ship and she lives with him on this island for the rest of their lives. That's super cute. So I don't know. Check it out if you want, I guess. What movie are you talking about, Karen? I feel like I missed what you were talking about at the beginning. Violet Evergarden, the movie. I don't know what that is. I just <laughs> explained the entire thing, Ryan. No, what is, you said Violet Evergarden, the movie, the, but is it based on something? I have no idea what you're talking about. It's a Netflix anime. Okay. That's why I don't so, know what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. So there's that. I spent most of the week watching Yashahime, older episodes from like season one and early season two. Um, I've so when they air a new episode, it's always in Japanese with English subtitles. So I'm more used to hearing the Japanese cast. Um, and I've seen like a couple of um episodes with the English cast because you know, like a month or two later, they come in and they dub it over, and then those get released later. So sometimes they don't really bother checking in, but then you know, revisiting the older episodes, I actually watched the English dub and. The English cast kind of grew on me and before I kind of found them annoying and they didn't really seem to fit with the characters, especially the ones who play the main characters because they're supposed to be teenagers and some of them kind of sound like a little too old for that. But, you know, it all kind of works out and they've got like a good energy to them, I think. And yeah, it's fun to like revisit it and see the characters and where they started out at and then how close they got and then now all the big stuff that's happening in season two. So the new episode came out on Saturday. This is the fourth episode of the second season. And we got some really big moments between the characters and their parents. So Yashahime is basically the Inuyasha sequel. This is like the second generation. The main characters had kids. And so this is like the kids story. And the parents really haven't been around. Like, we've seen them a couple of times in flashbacks. And everybody initially speculated, like, what happened to them? Did they die? Where are they at? And so we've gotten some revelations as to where they are. And it was really exciting because the three main characters are these twins and then their cousin. And the cousin, Moraha, she got to see her parents for the first time in this new episode. And it was super cute and emotional. She didn't, she didn't actually get to say hi to them. She just saw them from a distance because, you know, mystical shenanigans. But um, it was just great to see the old characters back very briefly. And then the twins got to see their mom, who's in like a magical coma. <laughs> it's very complicated. But um, it was really exciting to see them just like immediately, um, you know, they, they want to protect her and they want to wake her up. Versus their dad, who they met earlier in the show, who's, they were kind of like, eh, 
we don't really care about him, but our mom is awesome and we want to protect her. So it was very cute. And I was tweeting about it all weekend. Were that, so then, was that all the names you were putting out? I had no idea what you were talking about. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, sorry for anybody who follows me on Twitter. On Saturdays, it's all Yashahime stuff. So then the big thing that happened this weekend, other than the new episode, was Dune. I got to see Dune in the theater on the big screen. It was so cool. I want to go back and see it again. And I've already seen it twice. It's awesome. It is definitely one of those things that it, it it's totally worth seeing on the big screen. It's like a visual treat. It's just a very immersive experience, but also kind of confusing if you don't know what's going on, but you just like the story, so you roll with it. Did anybody else see Dune? Nope. Ah, come on, guys. I'm planning to go. <clears throat> yeah, I wanted to. Like Between my working and trying to work out time to see, I had to go see uh, the French Dispatch like at 1025 in Highlands Ranch. So... <laughs> I watched the French Dispatch three times instead of watching Dune. So, <laughs> so I'll go see it. I'll go see did it. You, did you do it symmetrically, Brad? Uh, no, because that's three times. So that's asymmetrical. Uh oh. You gotta go back right now to make it symmetrical, or Wes Anderson will kill you. I mean, I'm gonna Unless go you're... twenty times. So yeah. Okay. Unless you're framing things in thirds. Mm, that, that is true. Still be symmetrical. Uh, that is true. In a sense. No. <laughs> there's a rule of. of thirds and there's a rule of thirds in framing. That is a rule. I don't know if it's symmetrical. I mean I, I, see- I would argue it's asymmetrical, but go on. <laughs> I like movies. Yay. What else so, did you watch, Corinne? Well, the first time I went to see Dune was at Mills and it was excellent. I didn't realize that it was a bad well, I didn't realize that it was the best experience. Um that I could have had. I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> I got there a little later than I wanted and I ended up having to sit pretty close to the screen, like closer than I normally sit. So I was like, oh, it's like a poor man's IMAX because I'm so close to the screen and it's huge. That's how I live my life. You get close to the frame because you need to immerse yourself in the imagery. Mm-hmm. But it was nice. And then I went the next day at Pavilion's and it seemed like it was dimmer, like the brightness had been turned down. And it also felt like it was louder because um, there are different points where I was like, oh, my gosh, the music's so loud. Can they turn that down? It was the same problem I had during Tenant. It's like, uh, guys, I-, I don't think it needs to be this loud. <laughs> also, there is a lady who fell asleep at some point early in the movie. and You could hear her snoring really, really loudly. Are you going to go see it in 4DX there? Since it's so great. Nah, probably not. Hmm, fascinating. I don't know. I'm not big onto like those 4DX. Like, anytime I've gone to an RPX or an IMAX or something, I'm like, I honestly can't really tell the difference. It's just well, like a big movie the, theater. The seat moves and they blow smoke and water at you. So I think you would notice the difference. Okay. Well, I've never done the 4DX then. Yeah. You might want to check but that if out. You're, well, if you're talking about the difference between RPX and, um, IMAX, I guess it depends on where you go because technically the IMAX, the best IMAX to go to is at Colorado Center because it's an actual IMAX. It has the actual specifications and it has the actual seating arrangements that's designed to give you that immersion. And RPX, its main claim to fame is sound. Um, but that screen is also wide as all heck. 
I wish they had never put stadium seating in that RPX at uh, uh, Continental because it took away something from it. <laughs> I don't know. It was plenty loud when I went to see it. And I'm pretty sure that one of the RPX or 40X or something was like right below us because there are different points during my movie that I could like feel things shaking because the movie below us was so loud. Anyway. Yeah. 40Xs are fun. I do want to try it at some point, but I don't know if Dune is the movie I'd want to do it at. I mean, I'm, I'm, I can't wait to see Spider-Man in it. So much dust and sand blowing in my face. And, and Willem Dafoe popping out at you to scare you. Oh no, I meant Dune. No, I meant Just Spider-Man No Way Home and uh, 40X. <laughs> it's going to be that awesome. Be cool. Can you get his autograph for me when you're there, Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll save talking about Dune in depth till you all see it and we can talk about it in spoilers, but I thought mm. it was really well put together. Uh, lots of great performances. Um, yeah, I'm just going to put it on my HBO Max. <laughs> I've never read the book, but from what I've heard, it sounded like it was somewhat true to it. I mean, they cut out, I think, some subplots, but like the overall gist and the the feel of it was the same. But I mean, again, I don't know for sure. Right on. Neat. So that's all I've been watching. Zach? All right. I watched a couple things. Um, let's see here. Um, I did a double feature of uh, Dracula Dead and Loving It and Young Frankenstein. Uh, as part of my continuing horror marathon and yeah ryan i cannot wait for that blu-ray of dracula dead and loving it to come out because i loved going back through it that dvd i have looks fine but i want i want more and it sounds like they're still announcing extras for it so i'm hoping there's more than just the commentary carryover um but that movie doesn't get enough credit it's I think it gets unfairly compared to Young Frankenstein, and that's that's you you shouldn't judge that barom- by that barometer. It's too unfair. Um, Leslie Nielsen's great in it. Um, the guy they have playing um, Renfield, <laughs> um, uh, Peter McNichol, is really really good. Like he does a spot on Dwight Fry. It's a, it's amazing. Uh, and um, the more I rewatch Amy Yazbek's work with Mel, the more I get come to respect her. She doesn't get much to do in this film, but. She's still fun to watch. Steven Weber, though, is great. Um, <laughs> uh, she's the undead. She's what? <laughs> she's Nosferatu. She's Italian. <laughs> um, and I think my favorite bit, hands down, I'm a big Harvey Corman uh, lover when it comes to Mel Brooks. Anytime he gets him in that room, it, it's going to be magic. And I love when they're going through um, uh, uh, Miss, uh, 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 Dr. Seward's book library. And uh, uh, Mel Brooks as Abraham Van Helsing is going like, have you have this book? Do you have this book? And uh, Mel goes, do you have Nosferatu? And uh, Harvey Horman just goes, yes, we have Nosferatu. We have Nosferatu today. (laughs) Just like just nice little touches in there that are pop culture references from (laughs) way too far back in the past that are just so much fun. Um, And uh and Young Frankenstein's still great. There's not much you can say about that other than watch it. It's wonderful. Um, and then I rewatched The Mummy, uh, the original Universal Monster Mummy with uh, Boris Karloff. Yeah, the movie's fine. 
Um, it, it, it's, it's got a lot of stark imagery about it. And Carl Freund shoots a very pretty movie. It is basically just Dracula, but a little bit more visually interesting in terms of the love story and such. Um, and then I went ahead and did, um, the evil dead remake, um, uh, which I hadn't seen since theaters and Corinne should watch that one. No, no, Corinne don't, don't, don't watch the original evil dead before you watch the remake. Um, the, the yeah the, the Ryan that movie has not lost its brutality at all like oh no movie is awesome oh god that movie's so the scene that used to un, that unnerved me when I first saw it was the tongue split in half that didn't affect me so much now as the when the woman is cutting her own arm off and when yeah. they come back in and see her and she's like she's just like I I feel much better now and the arm just like slides off like oh god it's just, it's just terrifying, and uh, the 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 sound on that is incredible. Like it's just ugh, everything about it is wonderful. Uh, and then actually later on, I did a um, for Punk Rock Horror Podcast. We talked about Sam Raimi's life and legacy, and I reviewed the Evil Dead on that, uh, the original Evil Dead. Um, so I did a, a triple bill of Evil Dead, Evil Dead Two, and Army of Darkness to celebrate Sam Raimi's birthday. All those movies are wonderful. There's no need to reiterate anything on those. Um, and at Film Club, um, I did Frankenstein and Dracula, uh, the original 1931 classics. Um, and it was really fun watching it with the Film Club and having fun with with how stilted Dracula is and then kind of moving into Frankenstein being this like visual parade by comparison. Um, and then the last thing that I watched for the first time was Phantasm. Uh, Don Coscarelli's movie and uh, it was fun um, yeah <laughs> Angus Scrim is fun um, I wasn't sure what to make of the acting and the writing and I was trying to remember that I it would be unfair of me to fully like criticize it because it's it's clearly a low budget film and it's going for more fantastical visual ideas um, and, and the movie, uh, the, the thing that I, I adore about it really is that it is just going for the biggest possible scope it can with its budget, and it succeeds more often than not. Um, uh, the 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 one thing that I I find the ending a little bit, um, a bit of a cop out, uh, but uh, I do like that they reverse course pretty much at the last minute and have a, and, and have uh, the tall man uh, there ready to grab him. Um, and uh, the, I didn't realize that this movie was going into cosmic territory, Ryan, until that reveal happened when he goes through the world and he sees the, all the little dwarves are <laughs> marching to their death on a slave planet or something. Yeah, it's um, weird as hell. It's it's, but, but I think that's its asset and that's why you watch it like that, that, I wanted more of the ball, the spiky ball uh, thing that pops, that has its little spears pop out and, and gouge people. I wanted more of that. Um, and, uh, but yeah, my, I think my favorite scene and it really sells the believability on it for me is when um, that little bug creature is invading them. And you can tell that clearly it's the actors wrestling nothing but they've already established that the creature is bouncing around so much that when they wrestle it and get it into the garbage disposal, like I was, I was feeling it. Um, so yeah, if you haven't seen phantasm, uh, the remastered versions on prime for free, it's a fun time. 
an absolutely fun time. I'm really glad Bad Ro- Robot restored that thing because uh, it looks incredible. Like I, you, I wouldn't have realized that the movie was. I would have thought the movie was made in the mid '80s by comparison to its '70s origins. So, um, so yeah, that's all I watched this week. Brad. Yeah. Um, so. I used to chronicle what I watched on this segment, uh, you know, anything and all things I watched, but going forward from now on, I'm only going to watch, I'm going to talk about things that I watched that, you know, sparked my interest or gave me something worth talking about and nothing like that happened this week. So, um, yeah, I just watched the last duel, which just came out and all I can really say about it is it's, it's just kind of sad and it's, it's really relevant to today, but that's because it was written by people from today and, based on a uh, historical uh, occurrence. So, um, yeah, it, the last uh, part of it was pretty, uh, it's a gnarly duel. I'll say that much, but uh, everything else was kind of, it was fine. So hmm. that's what I watched this week. Brad, did you watch the SNL with Jason Sudeikis? I did. Um, again, it wasn't... The only interesting thing was they didn't do a uh, Ted Lasso parody, but I, I'm guessing because, you know, uh, SNL is NBC and they don't want to advertise Apple Plus shows. They, you know, they allowed Sudeikis to talk about his Emmy wins and that was probably about it. That or maybe he just didn't want to do it. Yeah, I mean, that could be too. So, but it was a fun show otherwise. It, I, I, it wasn't as uh fun as the Remy Malik one the week before I thought but it was still fine you know I, I wish more of uh, his cast members from when he was on the, the show came back like other episodes have done for people so but he only got like uh, uh, Fred Armisen and obviously Keenan Thompson still there mm-hmm. so yeah I, I thought the what's up with that I don't know it was missing I don't know. I felt like it was missing something. It didn't feel quite right, but I liked the science teacher skit that they did. I think it's off because they didn't have Bill Hader as Lindsay Buckingham. But although the the succession guy joke was fun, but it's just like I think Bill Hader was kind of the glue for that. You know, because every mm-hmm. other every other what's up with that had him in there. So yeah, I don't think it was that. I, I don't know. It just didn't have the same vibe to me. I was hoping they would have done that. Why. I was hoping they were going to do that sketch and have like it all revolve around i guess what's the sudeikis's character in that's name wyatt or something i don't know shane or something he was yeah. always, he was just always a background character he just jumped in and did a little funny dance <laughs> they yeah. smoked his smoked a cigarette right i thought having him there as like host they would have like pivoted and done like a whole the show about him but yeah he was just kind of a cutaway of like where you been and how are those knees now you're older so and then oscar isaac there was funny uh but uh, obviously he didn't get too much to do except for, you know, complain because he's like, oh, I, I knew it was, this was going to happen. But yeah. I mean, that's what the whole bit's about. I'm sure that they knew. Yeah. And that's <laughs> science sure teacher, they knew ahead of time. And the science teacher sketch, you know, Sam Rockwell did uh, years ago and, and dropped an F-bomb on it. So uh, yeah. it, was, it was a cool change up that they brought the parents in and had them be clueless. But it's, it's essentially the same sketch. Um, yeah. and, that, and then the musical one for Annie was just weird. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, the science teacher skit, I know they've done it multiple times, but I had never seen it before. So I I guess they did one with Adam Driver. I'll have to look that up. 
Yeah, I think Adam Driver's best sketch is the one where he's the uh like old the old man. Old man and does like does show and tell. And he like mm-hmm. Yeah. That or the Kylo Ren uh undercover boss parodies. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I watched this week. Uh yeah, I watched uh I'm continuing my I'm gonna try to beat Brad horror movie challenge only to myself. <laughs> uh You've got five days to go. You can make it, buddy. Yeah, thanks. I I think I'm getting pretty close. I'm at 30. Oh, Um, yeah. You're really close. uh, I watched Dracula Untold. It's a fun movie. Uh, I talked about that last week. Never mind. Uh, Halloween 2 is uh, uh, the night he went to the hospital. Um, It's fun. It looks good on 4K. Uh, I I wish that was the subtitle. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the night he went to the hospital. Pretty sure that's a <laughs> subtitle to it. Uh, I watched the new Slumber Party Massacre, which uh, was just streaming for $5, and it got really good reviews. I think it's at 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and it's fun. It, it takes what you expect from a slasher film from the 80s and kind of that uh, turns it on its head uh, in so much that uh, the the guys in it are the ones that are objectified. So uh, there's a part where there's a, a pillow fight, but it's with dudes without shirts on. And uh, two of the characters are named guy. And so when they die, they keep on getting confused. They're saying, Hey uh, guy's dead. No, he's right there. No, the other guy. So they don't even have names because they're just objectified in the film. And there's the only nudity is a dude who's showering and the soap's going down his back and like down his butt crack. It's kind of funny um, because, you know, women are so objectified in these films all the time. Um, I watched the, uh, the night house with um, Rebecca Hall and the movie is really good and really interesting. And then like a lot of horror films, it tries to be too smart with itself at the end, which makes it stupid. Um, in it, she plays a woman who, whose husband just committed suicide and she's now being haunted by something in her house and she doesn't know if it's her husband or some other entity. And there is a mystery involved with what's going on. And it, I, I won't spoil it because it's kind of actually set up really well. It's a really well-made film, but it's one of those art house horror films where it's tries it bites off more than it can chew and it tries to be clever when it's sometimes just telling a straight story would have done a better job um but you know it's so well done rebecca hall's great in it uh i mean she plays being depressed and going through a lot when you're you know someone like something like that happens to you in real life is devastating um so yeah i recommend checking it out and the the blu-ray has like a 50 minute making of on it so that's pretty cool too (laughs) Uh, i also uh did a so i did my random movie generator and it picked uh better watch out um which is a home invasion kind of film with a twist uh also ready or not which is a really great movie um the guys who made that film are doing the new scream film um you're next which is another home invasion film um it also picked interview with a vampire 
which is a really great um, kind of period piece. I, I, I forgot how great the costumes were in that film, which sounds really silly, but um, they really upped the romanticism of vampires in it. And uh, the last thing I watched was not a random one. Uh, it was Supernatural with uh, Carol Lombard from 1933. Hell yeah, you did. Um, in it, it's about this woman who is a murderess who's Ruth killed Logan. her three her three husbands with her bare fucking hands by strangling mm-hmm. them to death. Yep. And she's so strong, she crushes can like tin cups. Metal cups. Yeah, the metal cups. We want to assume that she can crush iron if she wanted to. <laughs> yes. But she's she's mad, I tell you. She's mad. And how mad is she, Ryan? What's she gonna do? What could she possibly do when she's on death row? <laughs> so there's this film's premise is that when someone dies, their spirit or essence will go into somebody else, making them equally as evil. Mm-hmm. And one of the victims of this woman is Carol Lombard's brother. And they're very wealthy, which is a common theme in 1930 films. And she goes to a seance because her, she receives a letter from this, this spinster, this trickster guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a, he uh, is a murderer. Yeah. He's a spiritualist, uh, like a, a yeah, what's uh, his name? Babin, Balbin, something like that. Um, Babin, I believe. yeah, he, but he's, yeah, he's a fake medium essentially. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what he doesn't count on is the murderous, lady's spirit does go into carol lombard and she is going to kill him yep she's seeking revenge because uh uh uh, he jilted uh he jilted her yeah Um, um the movie is pretty silly but carol lombard is there's she is so hypnotic like there's something about her that when you watch her on screen you just fall in love with her and mm -hmm. Um, she's great in the movie. The movie's pretty silly, but there's some really great moments in it. Um, I will spoil a 90 minute, 90 year old movie. Um, mm-hmm. there is a great scene at the end where, uh, the spiritualist phony guy gets hung by, um, <laughs> the spirit of the of Ruth serial Rogan, killer yeah. lady. Yeah. And then they end on a happy ending because they had to in the thirties. So it's really kind of jarring where they do this. They actually show the dude the, you know, the rope goes around his neck mm-hmm. and then he's hanging and they see the shadow going across this boat. Yeah. And he's swing- Randolph he's, Scott sw- he's and- swinging. That's the thing. He's <laughs> yeah. swinging. <laughs> yeah. And Randolph Scott and Carol Lombard are just making out in the yacht while that dude's hanging outside. Yep. Um, and then the director yelled cut and Randolph Scott went to go hang out with Cary Grant. The end. <laughs> yes. Uh, it, it's an interesting movie. I think everybody should see it because it's so bizarre. Um, yeah. If anybody wants to come to my house and watch it, I will gladly show it to them. That movie is cool. so much fun. <laughs> like, you know, and it's the last thing I'll say about it, uh, is it's the first movie I noticed her scar on her face. Mm, um, yeah. I don't know if because I have the Blu ray. So it's, I mean, the Blu ray looks pretty great. Um, uh, yeah, it's a really sad story. She was in a car accident and she almost actually died. Yep. Uh, the car like cut like half of her like face off basically. Yeah, they had to reconstruct her. Like that was a that was a big job they had to pull. Yeah, and it was uh, she did it without uh, anesthesia because she was worried about the muscles relaxing. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they fa- when <laughs> this is how shitty people were in Hollywood back then, when heads of studios found out about it because she was just starting to break in, 
Um, they wouldn't hire her because she had a scar on her face and she's still like mm-hmm. a stunningly beautiful woman. Yep. And um, you go, oh, wow. Yeah. People in Hollywood were even worse than they are today. She said, I'll show you guys. I'll make some amazing comedies with William Powell and Jack Penny. Show you yes. these people. Um, but yeah, uh, you should read the book called Screwball. It talks all about it. It's a really great book. Yeah. Um, and uh, Fireball, which is about um, her untimely death. But it talks a little bit about her life and legacy in there as well. Yeah. Um, and um, I will say, but let's, let's touch on one more point of it, Ryan. That opening music is fucking dope. <laughs> yeah. No, the movie's well done. I mean, it's. It's silly, but I mean, if you get past the silliness, it's fun. And um, yeah, that's what I watched this week. This week on Real Nerds, we took a whimsical journey in three parts, four parts, um, uh, to the French Dispatch. Zach, do you recommend the French Dispatch? Uh, yeah, I do. It's... um kind of hard to never recommend a wes anderson movie um there's always something going on to visually engage your mind um i'm still kind of adjusting to his take on an anthology of sorts uh with that intertwining connecting tissue um but there's so much to love about it like there's there's every performance is on fire um each of the stories has their own time to breathe and uh there's there's something about an ode to journalism in it that i do find interesting um I mean, overall, it's it's a wonderful piece. I don't think it hits the top of my uh, Wes Anderson list necessarily, but it's certainly one I want to go back to and watch a couple more times because they're doing a lot with camera technique and changing aspect ratios and color to black and white that I just found remarkable. So, yeah, I would definitely check it out. Now, normally I would go to Brad, but, you know, this is Brad's jam, so I'll let him end it. Uh, yeah, I recommend this film. It's really fun. Uh, I always say this about Wes Anderson films is you go in there and you're immediately sucked into his world by how he frames things. And um, just the, the, the dialogue and the colors on screen, the very Wes Anderson. Um, so I do recommend it. Uh, Corinne, did you see this? I did not. I went to see Dune instead. Cool. Brad. Brad went to see the French dispatch three times instead of seeing Dune at all. Brad, take us home with Dune. I mean, uh, French Dispatch. Yeah, like I said earlier, I saw it three times. The first time I saw it, I actually was kind of soft on it. I was like, "This is like this is a, a quality movie," but like I just didn't get into it, like I had in past films of his. But then later that day, I saw it again um, because I could, and uh, it was one of those things where the movie is so fast, like the pacing is so brit, like uh, accelerated that I, like it was it was overwhelming like it's an enormous movie i had to check the budget because it felt like it was a hundred million dollar movie because there's so many extras and so many production designs in it um there's, there's just so much at you it's, it's such a dense movie but like like when i watch shakespeare you know after about 20 minutes i finally settle into the world and so on the second viewing i finally really kind of was able to appreciate the stories and i think the first of the three is my favorite and the third is my second favorite. Like overall, it's just like such a, from a filmmaking perspective, it's like such an amazing achievement. It's like, how could this be more peak? Like, like what else can Wes Anderson do at this point? Like, I can't imagine mm-hmm. ha- him doing it. Like everything about this movie is, 
his stamp on it. So, um, yeah, it's it's amazing. It's it's definitely gonna be one of my, my uh, film explosion movies. So, here's a trailer for the French Dispatch. It began as a holiday. Eager to escape a bright future on the Great Plains, Arthur Howitzer Jr. transformed the series of travelogue columns into the French Dispatch, a factual weekly report on the subjects of world politics, the arts, high and low, and diverse stories of human interest. You don't think it's almost too seedy this time? No, I don't. Decent people. Supposed to be charming. He assembled a team of the best expatriate journalists of his time. Berenson, Sazerac, Kremens, Roebuck Wright. These were his people. Just try to make it sound like you wrote it that way on purpose. We take as the subject of tonight's lecture, Mr. Moses Rosenthal. Certainly the loudest autistic voice of his rowdy generation. Simone Naked Cell Block J Hobby Room. I want to buy it. It's not for sale. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes. In short, the picture was a sensation. The kids did this. Obliterated a thousand years of Republican authority in less than a fortnight. What do they want? Freedom. Full stop. I'm naked, Mrs. Kremens. I can see that. Lieutenant Nescafier is the great exemplar of the mode of cuisine known as police cooking. The aromas of the kitchen cast a spell, which was to be mortally broken. As you know by now, we have kidnapped your son. A message from the foreman. One hour to press. You're fired. Really? Don't cry in my office. Uh, yeah, Brad, take it away. I'll just chime in on on your points. Yeah, so uh, the French Dis- Dispatch, Wes Anderson has crafted a film about a fictional uh, magazine called the French Dispatch. Uh, it's a uh, like an offshoot of a Kansas newspaper uh, magazine they did uh, about this fictional city in France called Ennui, uh, which stands for boredom. Uh, my, one of my favorite things about the movie is that there's all these American words that he just pronounces in a, like a fake French style, like chef Nescafe, uh, <laughs> chef quiz cuisine, <laughs> um, stuff like that. Like, it's really fun, but yeah, there's these three stories. Uh, the first one with, uh, uh, in the dispatch, like there's the editor, Bill Murray's character, and he has his people. And so those are the writers for the French dispatch. And three of them have their writing was possibly the last run of magazines and he select he's trying to find the best stuff and uh not and also stay in budget without uh eliminating anybody so he's going around proofreading everyone's pieces and the uh so uh, owen wilson has the one that kind of describes the town of Ennui and uh, in great detail 
And then uh, Tilda Swinton is the art critic and she tells us a great story about um, uh, a deranged murderer in prison who paints one of the guards and uh, there happens to be a tax evader who is also in prison at the same time who turns him basically like a week ago when I talked about the, the documentary, the lost Leonardo, it's kind of that documentary and what happens in it happens to this uh, tortured artist in prison and it becomes a great success. And uh, that was a lot of fun. And then the second one is kind of pokes fun at like teen. How, what, what do you call it? Uh, protesting and revolutionaries. Yeah. Like just being young and like trying to challenge the world and how uh, sometimes those people are really about the image and not so much the message. Um, and uh, Frances McDormand is the writer for that piece. And so she's doing politics and she has this relationship with um, Timothy Chalamet, whose friends have been drafted into this war and one of them deserts and it comes back and there's a, this other girl who's the counterculture and she's, they're trying to write a manifesto and uh, you know, all their little episodes with challenging the government in that one and uh, teenage rebellion. And then the third one is um, Jeffrey Wright plays Robuck Wright and he's the food critic. And he has these, this dinner with the, I guess the police chief um, who is grooming his son to replace him. And the, sh- the, the police chef is amazing. And uh, they're having this dinner and this, the chief's son gets kidnapped by Edward Norton and his gang. And, uh, they use the chef to basically uh, free him and get him back. And there's this great animated sequence about all that. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like I'm talking for way too long because, but like I said, this movie is dense. There's so much going on. I didn't know it was an anthology. I went into this movie pretty cold. I, I remember seeing um, a little thing at the Alamo about it, but I don't think I ever saw an actual trailer. Um, it's not a trailer, but like, like I heard rumblings, there was an anthology, but like I said, I, I didn't want to like spoil anything. So um, that's about all I knew. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. And it's, like I said, you, you I mean, you're immediately transported through the dialogue and how shots are put together. And um, yeah, people yeah, are constantly just, talking. Like, I don't yeah. think there's, uh, there's not too many pauses uh, or silence throughout the movie, but he, he sure loves that sliding uh, dolly track uh, in this one like everything seems like a you know like a dollhouse set a lot of the time and he's mm-hmm. just sliding through everything which is just like so meticulous mm-hmm. agreed but yeah it was those little details like the fun like calling the, the town on we because like you know it's like this boring town but like all this interesting stuff is happening and um yeah just feeling like uh uh, God, what Benicio del Toro's tortured artist story was a lot of fun, and like doing all those like f- uh, frozen, like everyone's just they're not like the f- frame isn't frozen, but they're like pretending to be frozen, and you can tell they're pretending. Like mm-hmm. it's just a lot of fun, and yeah, it's a, uh, it reminded me of uh, Police Squad with Leslie Nielsen. The, every episode ended like that, where they pretended to be frozen, but they weren't. Yeah, um, it's just silly. It's then, awesome. And then Roebuck, right? Like, like he has that typographical memory. 
So he's having an exchange with Leif Schreiber uh, and like earmarking pages in his mind. And then uh, he'll occasionally cut away to just talking about how, you know, feeling like a foreigner in this land and uh, sometimes just like finding a place that'll just serve you a good meal feels like acceptance. Um, and then the chef, you know, he had to eat the poison <laughs> in order to, yeah. to, uh, to make the plan go through. But, uh, you know, the tragedy being like, like the, the poison actually tasted like good to him. <laughs> and it's sad that he can't taste it more because it'll kill him. Um, yeah, that was, that was cool. So. Yep. Should, should we Zach? Have Zach? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I think I, I found it very, there, there was only one thing that I wanted more out of this movie and I don't even know how much more it would have done to, uh, inflate it was, which was a little bit more with, um, Howitzer Jr. Uh, the editor. Um, but there's, so if I had to rank, I'd probably put the final one first, the first one second, and the Zeffirelli one third. Primarily because um, I love how in the middle of these, this action-packed story with Roebuck Wright, the Lee of Schreiber character is stopping to ask him questions about himself. And he gives this wonderful spiel about like how it's throwing him off and he doesn't want to talk about himself. But the one scene that like really blew my mind in the weirdest of ways was when he's in the chicken coop and um, Bill Murray hands him a job application and is basically going through and giving him a job when he's at his lowest. Like it, it's, it's weird. It's almost like howitzer's kind of like this looming figure throughout all three of the stories because he's the editor in chief of this eclectic and weird magazine. That's like a New Yorker offshoot of like, that kind of vibe and to watch that one moment with him it brought a lot of clarity for me to the entirety of the piece about why they would care so much about what howitzer thinks and why they would want to work for this magazine that's going to fold once he dies um but the uh the dolly track that brad was alluding to it to me it looked like a photo spread um like he's playing with journalist imagery and I appreciated that he was able to go bananas with that imagery in a way where he usually tries to parse it out. This one just felt like he was, it was a raw unhinged version of Anderson. Um, and yeah, I mean, the, the movie's just a fun time. Like it's a, it, it doesn't, it, to me, it to me, it's a nice like thing to, to sit in with after, you know, like I, there's been a bereft of films like this for the past two years. So I, I enjoyed going back to his world, um, even if it was for only an hour and eight minutes or an hour and 48 minutes. So, so yeah, it's a fun time. Yep. Good times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all I can say. Like, I just love being transported into his world mm-hmm. and um, just kind of, um, I've been you seeing, know, t- sorry. No, I was going to say, that's to me, I, I love that in movies is you're able to just be there, if that makes sense, and you're transported to that um, style. Um, and it, this movie had that in spades. I keep seeing critiques online about how it doesn't have like the weight and gravitas of like his older stuff. I'm just like, did, did, 
did you not like i i can understand like my first pass i like, kind of gloss over everything but like on the third time i'm like really watching like robuck Wright's, um you know struggle within that whimsical story and then like uh moses rosenthal's um uh struggle like there's some deep emotion going on here so i don't know why they think it's just all whimsy um I, I just think it might be because it technically doesn't have the same unity that his other films do. But to be fair, this is an anthology and it's very rare that you get to watch Anderson play with themes that have that do carry modern relevance because I'd argue that the manifesto one carries immediate relevance and uh, the art, the Rosenthaler one has some interesting things to say within its world. Um, and the idea of Roebuck Wright as this journalist who's an outsider amongst outsiders being homosexual is is quite an interesting tale to tell. So I think he gets out I think he gets out more ideas than people would give him credit for if that's if that's the criticism being lobbied at it. Like the counteract to that to me is like you need to you need to embrace all three of these as Anderson's really only time actually dealing with an with with immediacy. Um, but in a way that doesn't age the film because it's, I don't see this aging the film. Yeah. Like it, it was mostly just a lot of the stuff I was reading is they, they critiqued it as just kind of more surface level, like just uh, like all, all style and no substance. I was like, I think there's plenty, plenty of relevant stuff in there right now and yeah, plenty of substance. So yeah. Um, also that part where uh Robuck Wright reveals the, the missing, passage from oh my god that was amazing <laughs> i sat there going like oh I, I i'm pretty sure the editor is going to come back and say to, like that's the best part of the story and yeah he's right even though he disagrees but um yeah and then the uh, adrian brody describing modern art to the uh his uncles <laughs> being like what is it there's a woman in there you can't see it but it's there <laughs> is it good we're gonna make it good because <laughs> this is our business right now <laughs> yeah I like how he he uh, sees the painting and he calls to the guard, offers him a piece of chocolate, and he's like, who painted this? And he's like, can you a- arrange to transport and an escort for me right away? And he hands him five more pieces of chocolate. <laughs> We're going to bribe every- everybody. Even the, even the uh, prisoners want bribes. Well, I didn't bring 600 million extra francs. So <laughs> I like how he says, uh, Dollar says, close the door, and he closes the door, and they bust through the bigger door. <laughs> a lot of fun this is it it's good i'm a genius we did it <laughs> <laughs> oh when he's the the scene where um uh uh where uh rosenthaler is about to electrocute himself and simone like briefly electrocutes him oh <laughs> like, yeah is this what you want <laughs> this is what's going to happen <laughs> i can't paint anymore <laughs> oh poor baby <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, God, it's so fun. And the second time she's ready to throw the switch, she just bolts out of it. <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh, God, fantastic stuff. Cool. Right. What do we see next week, Ryan? Uh, we are seeing Last Night in Soho next week. Mm-hmm. Um, Edgar Wright's new one. Uh, stay tuned for that. Also, uh, remember um, that. Snake Eyes is coming out or is out already on Blu-ray 
And you can pick that up now at Participating Retailers. And we have five to give away. Just make sure you like the, um, the post, retweet the post, or send me an email like saying, Go Joe, and then I'll randomly pick five people um, to send the Blu-ray to. So, um, so we have a thanks to uh, the people that supply that with to us. And thanks to the listeners. Thanks to you guys for being on the show. Yep. And we will see you at the movies and uh, Fan Expo. And don't forget, we have a film explosion in like two weeks. So, yep. List. Oh, I'll send you my list tonight, Brad. Sorry. But yeah, we have film explosion 2011 in two weeks. Did I lose everybody? Nope. I thought you were closing out the show, my friend. <laughs> you guys usually say bye, so. Oh, yeah. Bye. Well, Br- Brian usually leads it. Bye. Well, I was, I was saying we were doing Film Explosion in two weeks, and then no one said anything, so. Well, yeah, we're doing Film Explosion in two weeks. I'm yep. tr- trying to think of when, when I'm going to be sending my list, because I still got to make it. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. So, bye. Bye, Corinne. Bye. Bye. you for listening to this episode of real nerds podcast real nerds podcast is a production of neighborless visions multimedia thank you to sparks mandrill and plan nine studios for our kick-ass theme song also if you're in the denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies we see them at the alamo draft house in littleton and now also in sloan's lake thank you to colorado coins cards and comics for supplying us with all our comic needs especially you andrew you know who you are and a big shout out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening and have a nice day. <laughs>